Women Inseparable, where women connect through the Word of God, with author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. Silent Confidence, Episode 13 of the Prayer and Fasting Series. Words are great. They're powerful. Actions are needed. They are beneficial. But we don't need words and or actions every time we bring a matter to our God. Here's Jacqueline. Heavenly Father, Lord, what a glorious day today is. I thank you for the breath that you've given us today. Thank you for our feet that could take one step after the other. Lord God, I thank you for the ability to walk. I thank you for our arms. I thank you that we get to hold people that we love. I thank you that we get to brush our own hair. I thank you that we get to brush our teeth, that we get to put on our makeup, that we get to open doors, that we get to hold the Word of God in our hands and that they're strong enough to grasp it. I thank you so much for our arms. I thank you for the gift of sight, the ability to hear. I thank you for the sense of smell, Lord, it's spring and things are starting to smell so beautiful. I thank you so much that we get to smell your creation. Lord, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for sending him to identify with us in our humanity. I thank you that he lived and related to us so sweetly, so dearly, so passionately to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus Christ, I thank you so much for rising again. I thank you for giving us life eternal. And I thank you that we have life eternal today and that we can look forward to the day that we're in heaven, that we behold your face in heaven. But I thank you that we get to do that today. What a glorious day today is. Lord, I pray that you'll be with our silence with you, that we'll be with your silence with us. And I pray that we'll learn how to sit in that. Give us wisdom with our words, when to use them, when not to use them. Give us wisdom with our actions, when to use them, when not to use them. And give us grace as we practice just just sitting with you. We pray for the Holy Spirit to join us this morning to speak from the Word of God to our hearts today. I pray that you'll silence any word that wants to stumble out of my mouth but that only your word and your word alone will be glorified. Lord, we magnify your name, Jesus, today. Amen. Psalm chapter 17, verse 15. This is where we are going to start. As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. How is that for a prayer? How is that for a word to end your day, to start your day? As for me, it's a personal choice. You have to make this choice. You have to make this choice every Tuesday, every Thursday, every day at noon, every day at 2, every day at (laughs) 2.02. You have to make this choice all the time. The question is, do you want to make this choice? You have to make this choice as for me. This particular choice he makes in the psalm is, I shall behold your face in righteousness. I love the word behold. We see things all the time. 
We're thankful for that. So thankful for the gift of sight. So thankful for the gift of sight. And we get to see things all day long. And sometimes we see the same thing that we love so much all day long we forget to take advantage of it. Our husbands. Ever take advantage of your husband walking through the door? Take it for granted. And you're like, oh yeah, he's home. Stop. See. We do this with our children. We do this with the fingerprints of our children. <laughs> we see the same thing. Things that we love, things that we adore, we see all the time. We take it for granted. There's a moment where we stop and stop seeing. We stop looking. We stop just taking it all in and we behold. Like that moment we see the rainbow from one end to the other. And you sit there and you're like, oh, there's a rainbow in the sky. And you're like, I see both ends. And you sit there. And are you just looking at it or are you beholding that rainbow? And you just want to look at it from one end to the other. My son and I, when he was little, jumped in a car to go find the end of the rainbow because it was literally right there. And we drove for like an hour all around Vegas trying to get to the end of the rainbow. Fun memory. Never got there. <laughs> Behold that. When you're sitting on a summer night in Idaho, and there might be some of us that are brand new and are going to get to experience our summers here for the first time, our summer days don't end till 10. And we have beautiful days, beautiful days of hot sunny. Huh. <laughs> Can we just sit with that thought right now? Bake me. <laughs> Vegas girl, I'm dying for some vitamin D. But we have our long days and some of us spend those long summer days surrounded by trees with a lake in front of us and we sit at a campfire and we watch the sun set at a campfire and you just behold the painting of the sky. It's breathtaking. We see that moon at night. The moon always takes my breath away, but there are those days where it's so full and so bright and so magnificent that you just stand outside and you just behold God's creation, saying God can hold that. And at the same time, he's holding me and I have nothing to say. It's beautiful. We see things all the time. How often do we stop and behold? This is what he's saying. My decision, my choice is I will behold your face. And the very next line he says, when I awake. Do you know what happened between point A and point B? He slept. He fell asleep beholding the very face of God. He fell asleep not just knowing, okay, Jesus, here are my prayer requests, here are my words, here are my thoughts, here are my anxieties, here is my stress, here are my... <laughs> he fell asleep beholding the very face of God. And you're like, but I don't know what the face of God looks like. Think about it. Think about his words. You know the word of God. You're reading the word of God. Consider his words. Jesus loves you. Think about that. How can he not behold his face at that thought? Jesus, you rose again for me. We're in those days after Jesus rose again where he was seen and witnessed upon day after day after day. We can remember those days today. 
Have you ever done that? Celebrate those days before Jesus ascended again. There were days that he walked around in his glory and said, Mary, it's me. I'm not a gardener. I know you by name. Fall asleep there and behold the face of Jesus and fall asleep. So that when you awake, you'll be satisfied in his likeness. When you read this verse, are there a bunch of words that are ready to spill out of your mouth? Or do you just want to sit? You just want to not even think. Because the words that you want to formulate are so big, you can't even muster them up. You're just, wow. Like that five-year-old seeing the end of a rainbow. And there's words you could figure out and you could get out of your mouth, but you don't want to ruin the space. You don't want to ruin the scene. Just <sighs> silence as you behold the face of Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. Be satisfied with your likeness. There's much that my heart wants to say on this verse, but we have a conference coming up about how he satisfies our soul. Can we as women inseparable take this as a little reward from the Lord and take this into the conference? Kind of pop that in our little pocket like we know something that you don't know. <laughs> we know how to be satisfied in his likeness because I fell asleep beholding the face of my God. It's a big thing. John chapter 1, and yes, we'll get to Exodus 14. <laughs> John chapter 1, John 135 says, The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. This is John the Baptist. And he looked at Jesus as Jesus walked by, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. John the Baptist grew up seeing Jesus. Contemplate that. John the Baptist was conceived. Months later, Jesus was conceived. They were born of cousins that loved one another. These little infants knew one another. They saw each other. These little boys played stickball or something together when they were young. They saw each other. These teenage men saw each other. These men in their 20s saw each other. John knew the face of Jesus, his cousin. He saw him all the time. Oh, it's Jesus. And it wasn't, a, and not in a disrespectful way, but it wasn't, a, oh, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. He's, he's over. He came over to hang out. Great. It's awesome. <laughs> Cousin. And then this one particular day, Jesus passes by and God, the Holy Spirit, lays upon John. It's time. And he sees his cousin. I'm so curious the thoughts that overwhelm John at this time. As he saw his cousin, but something was different. There was something within his soul that wanted to just spill out. And he got to announce, behold. And I can't help but think that he just stopped for a second. As he looked at his cousin Jesus and it clicked. Something just hit him. My, 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 my Jesus is my 
Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God. Oh, that quick, those two disciples that were standing next to John the Baptist followed Jesus. Sometimes we wonder, how do you tell somebody about Jesus? I get so nervous. Practice Psalm 1715. Make Psalm 1715 your bedtime prayer. Make Psalm 1715 your wake up prayer. So that when you talk to somebody and somebody says, so why are you so calm? Don't you know? Yeah, I do. I do know. His name is Jesus. And you don't have to say anything else. And you have no idea what person hears you just say his name and they come and follow. They may not come and follow you to your church and they may not come and follow you to your conference, but they may follow you to a word of God on their app, on their phone. And they say, that's what she was talking about. And you won't know until the day you're walking on his streets and somebody comes up and says, do you remember the time you said the name of Jesus to me? You said that my whole body did something I didn't even know what it meant. And then I met him. Jesus, there's power in beholding his face. Verse 37, the story goes on and says, the two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. Even Jesus knows sometimes you don't need words. Sometimes it's okay. So they came and they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was the 10th hour. It was near dinner time. One of the two heard John speak and follow Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon. And I pray the Lord is saying what needs to be said upon our hearts. And he said to him, we have found the Messiah. He brought Peter to Jesus. Jesus looked at Peter and said, looked at Simon and said, you are Simon, the son of John, the son of Jonas. You shall be called Cephas. You shall be called Peter. Both of those names in different dialects meant rock. That's how Peter met Jesus. There wasn't a big story. There wasn't a big dialogue. It was we met the Messiah, Jesus. Come and see. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and I absolutely adore that sentence. He decided. I actually love Jesus' decisions. I love his decisions. He makes good decisions. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. That's the end of Philip's story. (laughs) Don't you want that to be your story? Matthew 9, 9 is my favorite verse. I want that on my tombstone. And it's very similar to this. Jesus said, follow me. And he rose up and followed him. Quick obedience, quick love. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael. And Philip said to him, we, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. That is a powerful sentence. Imagine somebody saying that sentence 
Do you have a question? There are so many questions we could ask when we hear that. We found the Messiah. Well, who are we? Who, like, testify, who are you with? Who is with you when you met the Messiah? How do you know you met the Messiah? You said the Messiah was written about in the the law by Moses. Where? What passage? Give me scripture for that. Great question to always ask. (laughs) Give me the scripture for that. The prophets wrote about him where? Which prophet? Tell me more. Son of Joseph. Who's Joseph? Which Joseph? Joseph of Nazareth. The carpenter? Married to Mary? Mary. Huh. (laughs) Scripture. (laughs) Nathaniel asked nothing of this. He asked none of these questions. (laughs) He got stuck on one word. (laughs) One word. He heard this beautiful dialogue, and he heard one word. This is where silence has to come into play. This is when we as humans contemplate when it's me by myself sitting under a tree with my own thoughts. Where are my thoughts? When it's me in my car driving around my city when my own thoughts, where are my thoughts? And my focus so much on one negative word that it's all I hear when people talk to me. This is what we as humans, as daughters of the king, have to evaluate. And we need to get real about it. There are some of us that get so hung up with one word that when somebody comes up to talk to us and they say a whole bunch of beautiful things, but we hear that one word and we've got trigger words, don't we? Mm -hmm. Welcome to 2020. Mm -hmm. There are trigger words. And we get so hung up with that trigger word. And every time we talk to a human, that trigger word is said, we hear nothing else. The whole conversation, the whole relationship, the whole love, the whole forgiveness, the whole matter, the whole everything thrown before us, all we hear is, well, let me tell you about my opinion. Actually, here's my opinion of that word. And we forget that there are other humans. There are other emotions. There's other things that are happening in life. And we get so hung up on that one word, silence. What is going on here in your silent space? Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? One word he got hung up on. And it was a location of a town that he does not like, that he's better than, that he has nothing to do with. Have you ever judged another town? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Not who did you find? How did you find him? Give me scripture for that. Um, Can I meet him? Nothing. Just Nazareth. All he heard. Nothing good there. Philip said to him, come and see. That's a wise fellow. He did not debate. He did not give his opinion. He didn't even quote scripture. He didn't go to Moses. He didn't go to the prophets. He didn't quote Isaiah 7:14. He said nothing. He said, come and see. Because I have a feeling that when you see this Messiah, you're going to behold his face. Something is going to happen inside and you'll know. Just come. Let's go. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him. 
And remember the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. Do you think Jesus knew all of this and his decision to go to Galilee? He knew Philip. He had confidence in Philip. Isn't that a beautiful side point? Look at the confidence that Jesus had in Philip. He knew Philip was going to listen to him say, follow me. And he knew Philip was going to follow him. He also knew that Philip was going to go to Nathaniel and say, come and see. Jesus had confidence in Philip. And Philip did exactly what Jesus knew he would do. It's beautiful. Be confident in your person. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael was so hung up on society, on a ranking of cultures, and Jesus met him where he was in his thought process. Jesus is kind, not kindness. The one thing that spewed out of Nathaniel's mouth was the derogatory statement toward another city. And Jesus met him and acclaimed his city and identified him in the status in which he saw himself. And it wasn't sarcastic. He honored him. That's kind. That's a very kind thing Jesus just did. And then he proved who he was. He says, Nathanael said to Jesus, how do you know me? (laughs) You ever ask Christ that? Do you know me? How do you know me? God, how do you know me? I know Jesus because I asked Jesus into my heart. I asked him to be my savior. But does that mean I know God? God, how do you know me? Oh, because you're this God. Got it. (laughs) Sometimes we ask questions and that questions are good. Don't demand an answer. Side note. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And it makes me wonder, what was Nathanael doing under the fig tree? He was by himself. Philip went and found Nathanael. He didn't go to a group of friends and say, come on. And Nathaniel was the only one that was there, only one who left under the fig tree. And he was sitting there in his own little thoughts. And I'm curious what thoughts he was thinking if he was thinking about society, if he was thinking about nationalities, if he was thinking, I just wish I knew that God saw me. In his own little space, in his wonderment of life, under that fig tree, he was having a thought process. He was in his own silence thinking, pondering, and Jesus gave him what he needed. You're an Israelite. I see that. I behold your status. I recognize who you are in humanity, in our culture. By the way, those thoughts that you were having under the fig tree, I saw you. And it was all Nathaniel needed which means I can't help but think that's exactly what he was wondering in his own space. Does anybody see me? God, do you see me? And it blew Nathaniel's mind. He followed. He's like, you are, you are the son of God. And then Jesus is like, if that blew your mind, 
Just wait. There's more. <laughs> and Nathaniel, he did. He got to see Jesus ascending. He got to see the angels upon his Savior. So Nathaniel got to see in the quietest of his mind under the fig tree. What is in your head? And be real about it. Is there a word that you get so stuck on? Are you brave enough to write that down and say, God, can you take this word? Can you open my eyes to things around this trigger word? Anybody waiting for me to say trigger words? I don't think I need to say any trigger words. We all know what they are. There's multiple. There's a whole heap of them. <laughs> What's your trigger word? Does anybody in here struggle with, with cultural differences, with county lines, with throwing stones at other people? Anybody? Judgment is real. Comparing ourselves to other people happens. Nathaniel is guilty of it. And I don't think he's the only one in this room that is guilty of it. What is your space going on? What's happening in there? Be real about it. Exodus 14. I am not going to go over this story for uh, many of us know the story of the Israelites. Slaves to the Egyptians, prepared, ready to go. They were given grace by the Egyptians so that when Jesus said, when God said to the Israelites, go and get silver and gold and clothing. From whom? From the Egyptians. Are you kidding me? No. Go. They'll give you favor. Okay. Uh, I'd love to know how those conversations went among women. Nationally different. Can I... um? Have your teapot. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for asking. Thank you. <laughs> over and over and over to the point that the Egyptians bestowed upon them their silver, their gold, their clothing. They knew all of this chaos that was happening. Nothing touched the Israelites. Something made the Egyptian wonder, what do they have that I don't have? Different dialogue, different lesson. That's fun, right? Mm -hmm. They were armed. They were ready. They had the Passover. And they ate the Passover fully clothed, holding their staff, standing and eating, waiting for the call to leave. They were prepared. The, the Israelites were prepared. They were prepared financially, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. They did the blood on the doorpost. They were prepared. They were ready for this grand adventure. In every way, they were set and ready. Read up to Exodus 14. They were ready. Everything God told them to do, they obeyed. Everything God told Moses to do, they said, we will obey. And they did. They obeyed. They were strong and ready for this next season in life. And then Exodus 14 comes. And we see in verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes. And behold, the face of Jesus. Uh -uh. Do you see what happened? The Israelites were ready for this. They were ready. They did their Bible study. They did their fasting challenge. 
They went out for coffee with a girlfriend. They did their things. They were doing the work. And then the same thing that Peter did when he put his foot on water, their eyesight shifted. And they no longer beheld the face of God. Instead, they beheld other things. Their intent focus shifted. And scripture says, behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they feared greatly. In all of their preparation and all of their stand and all of their strength, they shifted their eyes and they looked at what was coming at them and they were scared to death looking. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. And you see that and you're like, oh, good response, Israelites. You did well. But not when the, the conversation continues to the next line. They beheld the Egyptians. They saw the fear coming at them presently at that moment. And they cried out to the Lord. And then they said to Moses, I wonder what would happen if when they cried out to the Lord, they stopped. And when they cried out to the Lord, they say, I'm scared. The Egyptians are there. The army is there. The horses are there. The soldiers are there. Uh, I see you and I stand here. And if they just took a breath and just remembered all that God did for them within the past two weeks, the preparation, the obedience, and remembered. They didn't take that time. They cried. <laughs> and then they complained back to back. And sometimes we sit there in our prayer life and we're like, but God, I, I asked, I prayed. And then we badmouth mm -hmm. at the same time. Are we not like the Israelites? Have we not done exactly this? Cry out to the Lord and then complain to another human about a situation. Why are we doing this? Stop doing that. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? It's rude. <laughs> what have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Rude. Have you ever blamed one person for your problems? <laughs> Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Do you remember what we said? We said, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would be better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. We said that to you, Moses. Do you remember that? How's your brain working? Apparently not well. We told you. You're not listening to us. What happened when they were crying to the Lord? Anything? Did anything happen when they cried out to the Lord? Or were they just listening to their own voice? Verse 13, And Moses said to the people, and we're going to finish with these words, Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. The Lord, the Lord will fight for you. And you only have to be silent. Heavenly Father, 
There are so many words that we want to proclaim to you, Lord, and we want to pray all prayer and we want to pray all supplication and we want to be so real when we're with you. And that's what you want from us, too. But God, I pray that we will in our prayers and in our supplications that we'll take a moment to let them let those words fall at your feet and that we'll give you time to give us the words we need when we're ready to hear them. Help us to be comfortable and confident in our silence with you. Lord, you're going to fight our battles. You've proven that over and over. Lord, that battle that's on our mind right now, I pray that we'll put at your feet. Help us to know, Lord God, that you are. You are already singing a song of victory over it. Help us to know the difference between praying to you and complaining to you. And when we come to you with our complaints, because we're so real and open with you, that our complaints as they're pouring out of our face will become a prayer, a prayer for help, a prayer for wisdom, a prayer for kindness, a prayer that will help us get over a word that we get so hung up on, a grudge that we won't get over, forgiveness that we won't give to ourselves or to that person. Lord God, you're so much bigger than the Egyptians. You're so much bigger than the war that is coming at us. Lord, you are God. Help us to sit in that silence. We love you, Heavenly Father. We pray these words in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on Telegram at WI Online.